Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I'm calling so that we can open the show together, and I want to know how your vacation's going. I'm sitting here um, in this little cottage with my three-year-old daughter in my lap. Hey, Samara, can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you are sitting with your children, you might want to consider postponing the listen because there is some explicit language in this episode. From Gimlet, you're listening to Startup, the podcast about what it's really like to start a business. I'm Lisa Chow. Alex Bloomberg is on vacation this week. And this is episode nine, the penultimate episode of our season. Traditionally, the episode where stuff starts getting really down to the wire and things get as bad as they've ever been. So we're going to follow that tradition and start with this, an email Lauren typed up late one Friday night in February 2015. Dear Emma, I've been debating sending this email tonight because I know email isn't the best medium for these kinds of thoughts, but I'm sort of freaking out, so here goes. We're going to run out of money. We have 21000 in our account and are about to run payroll of 12000 We'll probably make another five to 10000 this month, which means we'll have... Lauren talks about a lot of things in this email. How, despite all of the improvements they've made in their service they're still not attracting more users. How the odds of getting a big investment of VC money seem smaller and smaller. And how she's run out of ideas. Okay, well, I'm sorry for this email and where our company's at. I believe in us as founders and in our team, but it's just hard right now to believe in our business. Lauren. Today on the show, how Dating Ring got to this point, to a place where things were so bad the company was essentially on the verge of bankruptcy, and how this little email led the Dating Ring founders to a big decision, a moment that changed the course of their company. Dating Ring's money problems really started a couple of months back after they relaunched the business in October 2014. We talked about that moment in a previous episode. Initially, it seemed that the relaunch would be a success, that new customers would show up in droves. But after an initial bump, the number of new customers slowed to a trickle. One of the matchmakers, Shirley, noticed what was going on, simply by looking at the number of matches she'd be assigned to make each week. Right after the launch, she'd had 200. And then... With every week, your section would go down a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. But then when you get down to, like, 40 matches in your queue for the week, it's, it's a startling difference. So you never—okay, so I'm, I'm curious. You never started looking for a job. I never started looking for a job. I mean, I'm going to tell you, everyone told me to look for a job, and everyone was like, you are nuts. Because I'd be like, they'd be like, how are you, how's your company doing? I'm like, ooh, terrible. Like, my, my company's doing real bad, you know? <laughs> like, no, no new members coming in. It seems like we're really, like, getting down there. Around this time, they got some more bad news. Craig, Lauren's boyfriend and Dating Ring's only engineer, had decided to leave the company. He was underpaid, and the company just couldn't afford to give him the salary he could be making somewhere else. And this was huge. You can't run a tech company without any tech people. But when I asked Lauren about this, she tried to play it off like it was no big deal. Yeah, I figured it was best if, if he got a job that could pay him more money and where he 
could have friends too. He's the only guy in our company and he would just sit working in the bedroom all day. <laughs> so it was sad. So. so okay, so 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 the idea is he's going to be full full time for a couple more months, yeah. and then he's going to transition part time, mm-hmm. um, and take a full time job elsewhere. Yeah, and then also help us find someone um, once we have enough money, if ever, to to be full time. You can hear the doubt in Lauren's voice. For weeks, I watched Lauren and Emma do this awkward dance. They were trying to put on a good face for the outside world, and then behind the scenes. They were panicking, bailing water out of their sinking ship of a company, trying to fix all these problems. In February 2015, four months after the relaunch, with revenue flat and users flat and almost no money in the bank, Lauren flew to California to go to a networking event. She was there looking for potential investors and also some advice, answers. She didn't know what more she could do. And at this event, she ran into one of her old advisors from Y Combinator, Kevin Hale. Lauren recorded this audio diary on the train after a meeting with him. He was asking how things are going, and I was like, you know, they've been so great, and they are still so great, but also we're about to run out of money. I came so close to just crying, and I was talking to him. And I really just wanted to ask, like, do you believe in us? Are we, is this what it looks like when a company is failing and about to die? And basically he said, like, you're in cockroach mode. And cockroach is generally a good term in YC. It's like people who refuse to die and work hard and are scrappy. But he was like, you know, the company only dies when you give up. But, like, you hear that kind of stuff. And I get it. But is it giving up because... You can't pay your bills and you don't want to borrow money anymore. It feels like we have all of the makings of, like, a really great beginning of a story, right? Or, like, everything is going wrong and there's 10000 left in the bank and then magically this happens. But I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I think we're just going to run out of money. Like, most people don't make it. Most don't have this, like, magical time when they're right under the wire and get saved. You just run out of money. It's like gravity. And it was on this trip to California that Lauren wrote that email to Emma that we heard at the top of the show. So, so, so very far away from being a sustainable company or raising money or having any engineers working for us. And also, that's in April. And in April, we probably won't have any money in our bank account. When Lauren got back to New York, things had gotten even worse. Lauren and Emma decided they couldn't afford to pay themselves anymore. They stopped taking salaries and started looking for other jobs to help pay their bills and get them through this tough time. Lauren told my producer, Lisa Pollock, that she even reached out to an old employer, one she had had when she was in college. I sat at my computer and emailed my former tutoring boss to see if there were any jobs I could take on. And I, I had left this company. I was with them maybe six years, five or six years. A, a tutoring company? Yeah. And I left because I was like, oh, like, I'm going to Y Combinator. I'm going to, you know, be a startup CEO. It definitely was swallowing pride being back to where I was before. 
For months at YC and afterwards, it had been drilled into Lauren's head. You can do this. You made it into an extremely exclusive club of startup founders. And your job is to grow your company to extraordinary heights. It's a total slog, and it may take a while, but this is the startup life. But Lauren was starting to wonder if this was the life she really wanted. She was tired of working around the clock, tired of being scared and desperate and getting rejected over and over again. Publicly failing, shutting down the company. It seemed like that's where things were going. But there was one other option, one other way to turn Dating Ring around. It wasn't an easy decision, a decision Lauren and Emma would never have imagined when they packed their bags for Y Combinator over a year ago. But coming up, we find out what that last resort is and why it's at the heart of a big debate. That's coming up after this word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Startup. I'm Lisa Chow. And when we left off, Lauren and Emma were in a bad place. And they realized they had one more option for saving their company. They could essentially give up on the dream that had led them to start the company in the first place, the dream they first pitched from that stage at Y Combinator. Dating should work like Uber. (laughs) And with Dating Ring, it does. There is going to be a billion-dollar company that provides on-demand dates, and Dating Ring is going to be that company. Thank you. At the time Lauren made this pitch from the stage at YC, she and Emma were all in on the Mark Zuckerberg sweepstakes, that they weren't just building a company. They were building a revolutionary company that had the potential to upend the status quo and get massive in the process. But now... Roughly one year later, they were at a spot where the only way to survive would be to give up that dream and become what's known in the startup world as a lifestyle company. This idea of a lifestyle company came up in season one of Startup, and I'm going to replay that for you. This is Alex talking with one of Gimlet's investors, Chris Saka. What exactly is a lifestyle business? Lifestyle business is a business that is likely not growing or it's growing at a really modest clip. Uh, And it's making money such that the people working there are living comfortably. They're drawing reasonable salaries for their time. Uh, The pace is reasonable enough that they actually get to go on vacation. A lifestyle business looks pretty good to a lot of people. Yeah, except Um, except when you're using my money. (laughs) Uh, See, this this is why I'm stressed out talking to you. Investors like Chris Saka, who put money into companies like Uber and Twitter and Facebook, they want to see big growth. And in Chris Saka's world, lifestyle companies are not exciting. And they're not exciting for investors at Y Combinator either. In fact, the conventional wisdom at YC is that to be a startup, you can't, by definition, be a lifestyle company. Here's Lauren talking to my producer, Lisa Pollock. If you had gone to YC and talked at YC about how, well, I don't know, maybe this is going to be a lifestyle business. What would the people around you have said? I think they would have said, why are you here? Cool, but, like, why are you at YC? I mean, I think the feeling would be that you're not cut out for the big leagues. Um, 
I don't know that you're not as ambitious. I mean, I mean, I think you have a lot of people who did run successful lifestyle companies, and now they're at the next level. It's like being at the Olympics, and and people talking about, you know, doing well on like their club sport league. We don't talk about that. You're at the Olympics. Your job in the startup world, you're looking to run these hyper-growth companies that are so magical that people are willing to pump tens of millions. I mean, sometimes they're raising a billion dollars. And, and they're defining this new future. So people get really caught up in that and that's the new game that's the new that's the sexy thing to do and it's not that everyone thinks that lifestyle businesses are shitty it's just you're not in the game you're either in the game or you're not in the game and over the last year they'd realized that maybe taking dating ring out of the game would be the best way to build their business and so a week after lauren sent that email she read at the beginning of the show they had a conversation over Skype about what they should do next. Lauren at the time was in California about to pitch a potential investor. The pitch about how Dating Ring was poised to become a massive, game-changing company. Emma was in New York about to get on a plane to go out and join Lauren. They talked for a while about what they needed to say in this pitch and how far it felt from reality. And they arrived at a pivotal decision. They recorded the call. It sounds like we're, it sounds like we are decided. Like, it sounds like we are gonna. Yeah, I think, I think I should cancel the meetings. Okay. And, and I think we should be really honest about why. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Say, you know, we think we're going to be lifestyle and, and obviously we feel weird about taking your time or your money in that, in that circumstance. I've been, like, working on a draft. Give me, like, a minute. Okay. Okay. They were supposed to pitch this investor named Colin the very next day. Lauren finished typing and read the email aloud to Emma. Um, I have... Hi, Colin. Uh, I apologize for last-minute notice, but I unfortunately have to cancel our meeting Tuesday. After much thought and a careful review of Q1 financials, we have decided not to continue fundraising. After 18 months of iterating, we still have not found product market fit, and due to our current financial status, we can no longer afford to keep our CTO on full-time. Our clearest path towards profitability is by focusing solely on events and premium matchmaking. That is going to be our main goal moving forward. As such, we did not feel that it would make sense for us to continue fundraising while we do not have a clear path towards scalable and sustainable growth. I think that's a perfect email. I really kind of hated hearing it. Hearing it back, I feel like all I heard was like, failure, 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 failure. Love, Emma and Lauren. But I I feel, um, I don't know. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, why I feel like such a failure. Do you feel such a failure? Oh, yeah. I spoke to Emma a couple of days after they had made the call. Friday night, I was okay because we hadn't, like, officially decided. Saturday night, um, I was really down. 
uh, because we had like sort of officially decided. And I was like, oh, I'm not flying to California. Like we're not going to pitch in bed. Like this whole thing is sort of over. You know, it's like if you apply to a college and you know it's your reach and you know like you're probably not going to get in, but you like still sort of picture yourself going there and like what it's going to be like on campus and like, you know, and then you get the rejection letter and you're like, oh, I'm not going. And you kind of have to say goodbye to all the like fantasies you'd had and all the dreams you'd had about it. Even if you like sort of knew it was a long shot, you have to like give up that that dream. Um, what yeah. in your head, what what did that fantasy look like? If you could kind of give me a sense of like, what did success kind of look like under that scenario? You know, it, it looked like uh, telling people the name of my company and having them know what it was. Um, having it be something that, that, that impacted people in some way, you know? And what, is, what do you think success looks like under this new scenario? As a lifestyle business, um, I well, what I'm going to say is going to make it sound like I didn't think this about the other, but I guess I guess that wasn't part of the image. But now it feels like doing a good job, being a good matchmaker, and making enough money to not worry about making payroll um, and paying myself. Stability, I think, is what it looks like. It felt like the right decision. But of course, it wasn't easy giving up the idea of being a huge tech company. It was the idea that carried them through YC, the thing they pitched on Demo Day and in all those investor meetings. And giving it up was sort of like giving up their identity. Lauren was demoralized. And when founders are going through tough times... Family members are often the ones who bear the brunt of the ups and downs, be it emotionally or financially. Lauren's parents, for example, had invested thousands of dollars in Dating Ring. They had also lent Lauren money to help her get through times when she wasn't taking a salary. But she didn't feel like she could tell them what was really going on with the business. Admitting failure to investors or advisors was one thing. Telling your mom, that's another. I remember in the beginning telling her, I was like, I'm going to make a company worth $10 million. And I was used to doing what I told them I would do. Like, I'm going to go to a good college and I'm going to do well in classes. And I just, I felt like I had failed. And I guess it, it made me most embarrassed when it came to my parents. It seemed like I was admitting this this huge failure to them that they'd ha- they hadn't seen coming. As far as Lauren's mom knew, Lauren was still trying to build a giant dating company. And from the outside, it seemed like things were going well. Dating Ring had been in the New York Times. They had gotten into YC. They were chosen to be featured on this podcast. And so when Lauren had asked to borrow money, her mom just thought of it as a way to help Lauren get through the tough times that all startups go through. And Lauren thought she'd be able to pay the money back. But as the business struggled, paying her mom became more difficult. Lauren felt like she'd broken a promise. She didn't know how to tell her mom the truth about what was going on with the business. But then one day, around the time Lauren and Emma made the decision to become a lifestyle company, Lauren was home visiting her mom, and they got into it. Lauren switched on the recorder. What were you saying? So, let me ask you a question about the difference between running a startup and just running 
a plain old business. And Lauren thought she knew where the conversation was going. She expected her mom to ask about money or say she was disappointed or tell Lauren to get a real job. But instead, Lauren heard things she'd never heard from her mom before. Um, I mean, things don't always turn out the way that we plan, but if you don't take risks, then you don't grow. So I think that's very admirable. I was always afraid to take risks, but that didn't always get me where I wanted to go. Um, So, you know, I admire you that, that you're willing to try things, apply for things, you should, be, you should feel good about it. Even if things don't always go the way you might like them to, look back and feel proud. Are you still recording? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I guess for some people it would be like, of course your mom's going to be like, oh, you're great, everything's going well. Um, but your mom's not that way. No, not in a bad way, but she, she's not, like, overly, it's not like every week she calls me and tells me I'm the best person ever. Like, I know, like, Shirley has a mom like that. Um, you know, my mom, my mom's more reserved, I would say. So, so this, this meant a lot. And, and I really took it to heart. So once you've made this momentous decision, switching from the Uber of dating to a simple matchmaking service, one of the first steps is to announce it to your staff. On a Monday morning, Emma and another matchmaker are sitting in the New York office. Lauren and the other staff members were on Skype. They had gotten them all together to tell them, we're a new company now. Here's Emma. And and we know that we have the team. We know that we have the resources. We know what we're good at. And we know that we can be something really great. And so the next few months are really going to be spent transitioning the company to being a really strong matchmaking service, which which we can be. And and we are definitely at least halfway there. Coming up on the next episode, what that other half looks like and what it's like to be a lifestyle company. Plus, we talk about something that's been looming over the entire season. What happens to your business when you're in deep with podcast producers like us? We'll have scenes from the upcoming episode in a minute after these words from our sponsors. Coming up on the next episode of Startup, what happens to your company when you're the subject of the Startup podcast? Okay, so it's a three-month commitment, right? Yes. So I have been listening to the podcast. In the last episode that aired, there was some talk about financial things and how much runway was left, and it was only maybe like a month, if I remember correctly. Are you concerned that if you pay for a three-month membership in one month, we will no longer exist? I mean, based on what I hear... (laughs) On the podcast, that's not unrealistic. 
That's coming up on the next episode of Startup. This episode was reported, edited, and produced by Lisa Pollock and Caitlin Roberts. We also got editing help from Caitlin Kenny. The startup website was designed in partnership with Athletics. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. The Reverend John Delore mixed the episode. Season two of Startup features brand new original music written and performed by our very own John Delore, along with his bandmates, Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, Isamu McGregor, John Ledeau, Dominic Falacaro. Their band is hotmoms.gov. To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe to Startup or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup or me at Lisa E. Chow. I'm Lisa Chow. See you on the next episode of Startup.